hello. Hello. Welcome to our podcast. This is the G220 Effect. I'm Denai. And I am Steve. We're so excited to have you on our podcast again today as we continue in the series called A Growing Relationship. Growth. Growth. How about that? We we, we growing, y'all. Hallelujah. We are growing with Christ yes. in knowledge of who he is so that we can become all of that he says we are. So just to give a little recap, last week or last time we were here, we talked about initial hurt. And we talked about that in this series that we have called Why Does the Heart Matter? Why Does the Heart Matter? The heart. Yes. Uh, the heart is so important to God. You know, it reminds me of a cartoon back in the day, uh, Captain Planet. And you had the one guy, Mati. He would say, you know, everybody would go through their lineage of things. And they talking about earth, all this power and all this. And then you get to this one guy. He says, heart. And with our car, when our powers combine, I am Captain Planet. Isn't that something? That's awesome. Heart is part of that thing that makes the planet go. And so when we talk about what, why the heart matters, it brings us to this big thing. So God in our heart. He wants our heart. Hallelujah. Man. And I know in the last series when we talked about why does your heart matter, we talked about the heart being that central organ that allows everything else to function. Once that stops, pretty much there's no more life. It's something how the body is made that you have this rib cage that protects the heart. You have this cavity that just, this chest, this chest cavity, it protects the heart. And it's a protectant for the heart. And so... It's amazing how it's nothing that that is that is natural that really really that's effectual to the heart. But once something is said to you, how easy it can affect your heart. Yes, man. How easy it can sip through your heart and begin to callous your heart. And we talked about that. So now you have that scar on your heart and no longer having the heart of flesh, but having a stony heart that God says, I, he gave us the promise that he's going to turn that heart of stone into flesh so that good things can now flow out of it. And in that, we talked about what are the initial hurts that we have that cause that scarring to happen? Yeah, and when you think about the initial hurts, you think about certain things like that, that may have started from when you were a kid or things that you might have done you know, or things that might have happened, like we, we, we discussed on the last topic of initial hurt, we discussed the part where when you were a kid, how broken promises became hurts and how certain things, how maybe our parents might have said this or maybe our uh, maybe people around us might have said this and then follow through and how that became a hurt and it compounded. Yes. Or how you never received the love that you needed. So you felt rejection or you never felt accepted. So you don't feel worthy. So you're seeking acceptance in different things. Or, or for like young girls, nobody's ever told you you're beautiful. And so you begin to go through life like I've never heard it. I never heard it. And so when you hear it, you immediately reject it. Yeah. Because you've never heard it, you know, and for young men, nobody has ever told you that, um, uh, you look like a young man. They've been calling you boy all your life. And then all of a sudden, when you become a man, you reject being a man. You know, so it's it's amazing how these things can can make you as make you while growing up. Yes. You become someone who relates to that hurt instead of knowing that God is enough for you. And when you know that your heart is filled with him and you can flow out of that out of the heart of flesh, not yeah, a stony heart. Yeah, yeah. And so we talked about that. And we also 
added to that, that when we find out what that initial hurt is, then they becomes this compound hurt. And that compound hurt is hurt on top of hurt. So now you have more hurt on top of what you had. And now you don't even know exactly why you are the way you are. You're just now doing life this way. But what caused you to start doing life that way? It's almost like going through layers of dirt. You know how you hit the topsoil. And the topsoil might be hard. And once you get under that topsoil, the dirt begins to soften, begin to soften. And then you hit another layer that's hard. It's like you got all these layers that you got to dig through to get to the actual, what's the, what's actual, what's going on? What's going on? Like sometimes me and my wife, we discuss certain things and we always, she always wants to get to the root. Like, let's get to the root of it. Let's go to the root first. And you know, sometimes it's hard to get to the root because you're not seeing the root. You're just seeing the surface of it. The symptoms. Yeah. And so when you actually dig, it takes the thought process. Let me think, let me think about it. Let me actually see what she's seeing or vice versa. Let me see what he's seeing. And so we can get actually get to where the problem actually comes from. Because it doesn't come from usually the surface. It's usually coming from the deep, deep down soil that's been enriched with this stuff. It's been enriched because you kept piling on top of it. And so that, that bottom soil is where the heart is really is. It's really right there with that bottom soil after the compound hurts has been pla- placed on top of it. So you can actually get to that and then it actually can force you to be healed. I don't mean forceful, forceful, but it can actually get you to the point of healing. When you actually get through the soil and you reach that foundation where that heart is being built. Hallelujah. Or where that heart was created by God before it got all these other things on it. I think about a child, and we're not going to stay on this too long on the recap, but we think about a child, and a child is very innocent when they're born. They don't know much. They have a lot of learned behaviors that come as they grow. So now they see the way life is. They see the way their parents react. They see the way people around them react, and they learn that behavior. But before that, they're just innocent. And I know that um, I've heard of, like, the Erickson stages of, of life or where at the beginning you're in that trust versus mistrust. So in that place, you're so innocent. All you do is, like, I want milk. I want my diaper changed. You know, you just have your basic needs and your heart is pure at that point. And now all these things now add on as life experiences happen. And that's the place that we're talking about. The hurts compound, another hurt, another hurt. And yet God is like, I want that childlike where you were so innocent, that heart that was flesh. You were so innocent. You were like a canvas, just filled with good things, actually. So you weren't an empty canvas. You were a canvas that God breathed his life into, his ruach, his his, his pneuma. He breathed yeah. that into you, and it was fresh, and it was good. And that's where God wants us to start, where we can trust him, allow him to heal us so we can get to that place. You know, it's something, because you can, when she talked about that canvas, it's like a picture being painted right before you. And you're not knowing what the picture is, but you know it's good. And so what happens when you keep painting? As you keep painting along this canvas, the picture becomes something of whatever's put in the life, whatever's placed in your life, whatever's done in your life. And so now the canvas starts to look familiar because now you're dealing with the certain things in life now. And so it, it makes me think about how, you know, how so innocent and what the world may say, na- 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 naive, or they might even say, um, 
Um, like, yeah, the word naive is fine. It might say naive and how um, a child is naive. They can believe anything. They're very impressionable. So with that, it's, it's, it's almost awesome just to know how easy you can, you, can, um, you can actually mold a child. It's easy. Long as you continue to not let them see what's bad and see what's good, this child can turn out to be the greatest thing on earth, the greatest lovable you know, child on earth. And that thing that's good is God. <laughs> Praise Amen. God. That's why the Bible says train your child in the ways of the Lord because God knew that we needed to know him first. We needed to be full of him first before the world get, gets to us and we start having a distorted image. Yeah. That canvas, that beautiful picture that God painted is now turning into something so distorted and we're finding ourselves really lost. So we go into the scripture talking about trust. Yeah, and it's just basic, like, who do you trust at this point after the initial hurt, after dealing with all this hurt, after you have, mis you have mistrust with people, you have um, pain from growing up as a child and growing, becoming an adult, that pain still resides. Now, you get to this point where now I have to make a decision on what I'm going to do with the rest of my life. I'm searching now. Who do I trust at this point? Who do I give my trust to? Because everybody has broken it. What do who do I turn to? Where do I go? Where do I go? And I love um, the analogy that I hope we gave it in the last one. But Steve, I've heard you talk about this analogy about becoming friends with that the victim. Oh yeah, yeah. That, that victim side. So yeah. you, not staying in that place. If you can explain that a little bit. Well, it's it's a place where you get comfortable with just. This is me. This is what it's always been for me. I can, you know what, I guess this is my life, or I guess this is where I'm going. Um, I don't I don't know where I'm going to find it. You know, it, it's just, this has just been my life. You get comfortable with saying, this is it. Where God has freedom. And when you say this is it, that means you're limiting life. You're cutting short the process that God has for us. God says our life is supposed to be uh, a long lifespan, you know, 70 plus, plus 10. So you're at 25 talking about, I guess this is going to be me. Man, that's that's full of pride. That's full of pride because now you're not allowing anything to come in to change or to help or to do. Now you've gone into that realm of self. We'll get to that a little later, but this is who do you trust? Who do you trust? So let's go into Proverbs 3 verses 5 through 6. We always want to encourage everybody to get those pages of that Bible open. I know that we can use our phone, too, for our apps. But just getting familiar with the pages. Open your Bible with us if you're at home and you're just this is your time of prayer or this is just your time you spend with God. I just invite you to open up your word and let's read together. We usually use the King James Version, so feel free to follow with whatever version that you have. Amen. That word in Proverbs 3, 5 through 6 is... Trust in the Lord with all thy heart, and lean not to thy own understanding. And in all thy ways, acknowledge him, and he shall direct thy path. Hallelujah. I love that scripture because it's telling us who we should trust. Trust in the Lord in all of your ways. Not just trusting him because you're desperate at this time. Something traumatic happened and you, you scream out, oh, God, help me. You know, but he says in all of your ways, trust him in all of your ways, in your pain, in your joy, in your confusion, in any state that you're in, trust him and he will direct your path and, and lean not to your own understanding. And that's that part right there that lean not to the understanding. It's like 
you have to know that somebody made you. You have to know that somebody created you. And, you know, that is the place. I just want to add that we talked about who that creator is. So yeah. if you haven't gotten a chance to listen to a growing relationship, who is God? Part of this series, we talk about who your creator is. Amen. And so just dealing with that, just dealing with that, um, that lean not to their own understanding. That part is the place where that trust comes from. That trust comes from you not knowing, not because of my understanding is it's based on what I've already been taught. So you got to get past what you've been taught into the understanding of that I was created. I was created by someone, not my parents, you know, you know, you know, giving glory to God and birthing the baby. No, not that. It comes from a place where he breathed that Numa, that Ruark, and you became a living soul. Hallelujah. And that place is where you begin, and we have to go to that place of understanding and trusting that God created me, so he must have great plans for me. You created me. You, it's like getting a new anything. You need a manual, right? I need to get back to that manual and figure out who am I? Oh, man. So who can I trust? The person who made that product, right? person who made whatever product that you have. You the go back to that. Yes. Yeah, yeah. You go back to that. So now we also talk about can you trust in something that's imperfect? That's the question. Can you trust in something that's imperfect? Well, I would say no. You like you don't go buy a car and you know the engine is blown. I mean, well, some people do, but you don't go buying it. You go you do not go buying and expecting it to run and the engine is done. So, no, you can't trust in something that's imperfect. You don't go buying a horse and the horse, you know, is on his last leg and you expecting him to run five races. No, you don't do that. I mean, I mean, that would be silly, you know. So do we trust in something that's imperfect? No. Why? Why would we? How would we put our total trust in something that's imperfect? I mean, for me personally, I wouldn't. I wouldn't do it because it would mean like I'm, I'm going to always be worrying. It would set me up to worry. Oh, what I'm going to do next? How am I going to fix it? If, it? if it goes down, what am I going to do? Now, with the horse, you'll be like, what am I going to do? I'm going to have to bury this horse. I'm going to have to pay to bury this horse. You know, can I, can I cremate it? You know, stuff like that. I mean, and I'm going to lose this race because I just bought this horse that doesn't really function well. And it's not guaranteed it's going to function when I need it to function. Right. So yeah. I don't think it's, it's, it's wise for us to trust it in something that's imperfect. But you know what? We tend, as humans, we do. We, we begin to put our trust in each other and stuff like that, knowing that we all are not perfect. We're not perfect in any way, but we know someone who is perfect. And we tend not to lean and trust to him. And that's what that lean not to understanding. That's what that trust in him and all that way stays at, right? It stands right there where we can just give it all to him and be better. Or we can tend to lean to our own understanding and miss out on a lot of stuff because we tend to flow in our own, in our own. And that's that place where we began to say, ah, God, I'm here. Where are you? And you can't, I mean, you can't really say that if, you 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 tend you don't want to know. Why would you say God help me? And you really don't want him help. And so a lot of times we we tend to like when what Denia was talking about that place where trusting and leaning, having our heart, um, and trusting the Lord in all thy ways. Where you say, Oh God help me. You get to that desperation. You're like, Oh God help me. And you really don't want him to help because the way he's going to help you, he might have you go through the process. 
in the process, you're like, ah, I don't like this process, you know. Uh, I don't want to go through this, you know, but that's where he's helping you at. He's going to get you through this process. And when you come out the end of the process, you'll be like, oh, like that scripture saying in Ecclesiastes, better is the end of a thing than the beginning. How about that? Yeah. Praise God that he is perfect, though. So I just wanted to get into the one who is perfect because we understand that we're imperfect. In the last episode, we talked about how the heart of man is wicked. Yeah. So already God was telling us at that point that our hearts are wicked. It, I mean, there's no really good thing that can come out of it. But once you now say yes to Christ and you allow to Christ to come in you, and this is the scripture that we're going to talk about, being in Christ and how we become that perfect through him because he's perfect, right? Yeah. So let's go in, in, in scripture, Colossians 2. And we're going to start off from verse 6, and we'll read on down. I think we'll end up like somewhere around 10. So it says here in Colossians 2, verse 6, As ye therefore received Christ Jesus the Lord, so walk ye in him, rooted and built up in him, and established in the faith, as ye have been taught abounding therein with thanksgiving. Beware lest any man spoil you through philosophy and vain deceit after the tradition of man, after the rudiments of the world, and not after Christ. For in him, him is Christ here, for in him dwelleth all the fullness of the Godhead bodily, and ye are complete in him, which is the head of all principality and power. But I'm going to repeat this part again. In verse 10, and ye are complete in him. So then that reminds us that when we now receive Christ, the one who is the propitiation of our sins, he's that sacrificial lamb. He took on all of our sins, right? This is what this word is telling us. When we do that, it's reminding us that beware because there are things that are happening in our world, right? There are deceits, meaning lies around us, the rudiments, things like tradition that that, oh, because this has been done from generation to generation. I just want to share actually this story that I heard, and it, it really saddened me, And but it's a good example of that, of a father who said, I'm going to take my daughter, um, to who's an adult daughter, um, just maybe in her 20s, to a strip club because that's the tradition. My mother took me when I was an adult. Wow, his daughter, though. His daughter. Wow. So here I'm looking at it like, Lord, those are the, the, the tradition. That's a tradition in the family. But is it right? Be not spoiled by these things that you, we see in this world and the things that we're around. And because it's family, sometimes we just think it's normal. This is the way that I was raised. And but, this is the way it's supposed to be. And this is the way it's supposed to be. But the Lord is saying to us, but when you're in Christ, he, is, he completes you. Yeah. So don't be spoiled. So don't... Be, be mindful not to allow these things to enter into you and you think it's normal. I want to show you the new normal, as they say, right? I want to show you what I created in you. So that's, that scripture is just such a blessing. And if you go down and you keep reading there in Colossians, it talks about us being circumcised and meaning that all our sins are dead with Christ. The same tradition that they had in the Jewish tradition He's just using the same examples to say, hey, hey, you are made new now. 
in Christ. So now Christ lives in you. And yeah. because he's complete, he completes you. So now all those areas that, that need to be cleansed and polished and, 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 and renewed because Christ is in you and the, and the full why, Godhead is in you, he can polish all that up. Excuse me. I'm sorry. But the, I will say that that circumcision, he used that example because when, when you have a circumcision, they cut the foreskin. So he's like, I'm cutting off whatever's been there and I'm removing it so you can start afresh. So it's awesome to know that when when Christ is, he said he's going to not let that stuff that you had once before be there. He's going to remove it so you can walk and be free. Isn't that awesome? Amen. Isn't that awesome? And it's it just says the word quicken just just tickles me every time I see it. But it says in verse 13, and you being dead in your sins and the circumcision of your flesh, circumcision of your flesh, so doing away of your flesh, the things that feel right, the things that just are you have a natural propensity to go towards those things being dead to those hath he quickened together with him having forgiven you all your trespasses blotting away out the handwriting yeah. of ordinances that was against us which was contrary to us and took it out of the way nailing it to the cross and having spoiled principalities and power he made a shoe of them openly triumphing over them in it. So he, I mean, this is just the awesome vision of Christ taking all of that, nailing it to the cross. And I remember reading a commentary that, that said it like this, that think about Christ going to bury all of that, doing away with it, but you go and you dig up a dead body because it's dead or you we were talking with steve the other day and we were just talking about what zombies are right the walking dead these are dead things that you're allowing to walk around so think of yourself as now christ has made you new you're still living in the old stuff they're like zombies all around you if you allow them right or even that you know when you living in christ and then you know you get to that place where you feel comfortability and you get comfortable again you start to pick up the old stuff it's like digging up a dead zombie and bringing it back to life, reanimating him. He coming back to life like the walking dead. You just picking up old bones and you're saying, putting flesh back on it and it's walking again. It's just like that. Christ wants to make you new. He said, all those things I've buried. Now let me go into your heart. Take all that compound hurt, all those dead things that when you receive me, I buried them, <laughs> right? I want to take them away so that your heart can be fleshy and good things can come out of it. Yeah. Fleshy. I don't know if that's a word, but <laughs> So we've been we're talking about being perfect, man. So, you know, get the imperfection out and being perfect. So Matthew five and forty eight speaks. Be therefore perfect, even as your father, which is in heaven, is perfect. That is awesome. That scripture. Cause it, it it's talking about how do we be perfect in an imperfect body, in an imperfect way. You know, because we all say, oh, I'm not perfect. Oh, I'm not this. I'm not that. We always say, I'm not can't and all these words where it doesn't give us life. It's limiting us. But at this point, Jesus is not talking about being perfect. He's talking about being obedient because with obedience, there is no sacrifice needed. You don't have to make a sacrifice. You don't have to, to give up anything. If you're obedient, that means I've been listening the whole way and I didn't miss a step. So I'm walking and being perfect. Think about it. Think about it. When your parents, when you were a kid, I just use the kid and the analogy and the parent because a lot of us are parents. 
or a lot of us have parents. So when your parent told you not to do something, think about when you did that thing they told you not to do. How you, it almost feel like you had to start over again with their trust or start over again and go by doing it again. And it came up again. The same thing that you wasn't supposed to do came up again. And this time you didn't do it. Or think about the thing, the time when your parents told you not to do something and how fast they were quick to reward you for not doing it when you didn't do it at all. When you just did whatever they told you to do. My, I will say my example is going over to my cousin's house and my mom told me, don't do nothing crazy or don't do nothing stupid. Why are you over there? And how I would go over there and do none, and I wouldn't do anything crazy or stupid. And come back home, and my auntie and my uncle give my mom a report, and they say, well, he was excellent. And she's like, wow. And so I would get the things I wanted without even having to ask. So here it is, you doing a thing that you wasn't supposed to do, and what happens? The consequence is that, okay, I did it. I get in trouble. Now it's like starting over from scratch. And now I have to build this trust up with my parent or any, somebody else, whoever. And here it goes again. Now we're talking about being perfect. He, and go we ahead. go into that scripture in 1 Peter 2.22, which says, Who did no sin, we're talking Jesus, neither was guile found in his mouth, who when he was reviled, reviled not again. When he suffered, he threatened not but committed himself to him that judgeth righteously, who his own self bear our sins in his own body on the tree, that we, being dead to sins, should live unto righteousness, by whose stripes we're healed. You know what? And that's talking about being selfless. Selfless. Man. And it's also talking about his perfection. Yeah. He did no wrong. He was just obedient. And, and time and time again in the Gospels, we see Jesus saying that I'm just doing what my father told me to do. I'm just, whatever my father says to do, I'm doing it. And, and, and cause he, he and me are one and th there's no disconnect there. So when he speaks, I do, I'm obedient to everything that he says for me to do. And that's what made him perfect. And now we get to just rest in that. We yeah. get to rest in that. We get to just Go and say, yes. Christ, you took all of that. And by faith, I received that and I believe that. And you get to live that life also. And we just love this last verse that we're going to share with you guys. Steve is going to go ahead and read it. It's out of 1 John 4, 15 through 20. Okay, 1 John 4, 15 through 20 reads as, Whosoever confess that Jesus is the Son of God, God dwelleth in him and he in God. And we have known and believed the love that God have to us. God is love, and he that dwell in love dwelleth in God, and God in him. Herein is our love made perfect, that we, we may have boldness in the day of judgment. Because as he is, so are we in this world. There, there is no fear in love, but perfect love casteth out fear, because fear hath torment. And he that fear is not made perfect in love. We we love him because he first loved us. If, if, if a man say, I love God and hate of his brother, he is a liar. For he that loveth not his brother whom he hath seen, how can he love God whom he's not seen? And that scripture is so awesome because it's reminding us that God is love. We talked about trust at the beginning, right? Why would you want to trust something that's imperfect? 
when you can have Jesus who's perfect, who walked without sin, who did everything unto obedience to what God told him to do, and he became that one that we can say yes to, and because we say yes to him, we get to be as perfect as he is in him, right? And then it talks about what love this love really is. Would you want to entrust your heart in someone that doesn't love you? Probably not. It's better to entrust your heart in the one who loves you. And the Bible tells, tells us that God is love. We're imperfect, right? So yeah. we hear a lot of these things about self-love. There's nothing wrong with that, right? I well, I mean... It's good to love yourself, but the Bible tells us to love God. Yeah. We have to do that first. That's this the greatest commandment. This scripture speaks to that, too, though. And it talks about how, you know, whosoever should confess that Jesus is the Son of God, God dwell in him, and he in God, and He and we know... And believe that love that God have toward us. God is love, and he that dwelleth in love dwelleth in God. So love, self-love, I mean, self, the lover of self, it, it just it, it makes me see like it's rooted in pride. It's rooted in some like issues. Like I'm always searching. I'm searching. So forget it. I'm gonna stop searching, just love myself. You know what? Who cares? I'm gonna love myself. I have faith in myself. I can do anything I want to do. That sounds like works. It does. Sounds like works when Christ went to the cross was the biggest and only work that should matter. Yeah. So better to trust that one that loves you, better to trust the one that's perfect, right, yeah. than, than yourself who you're limited in what you can do. Uh, there's nothing wrong with loving yourself because the Bible actually tells us that when you love yourself, then you can love your neighbor as yourself, right? So there's a need for self-love, but we have to have God's love, that agape love, and not just, I love myself because I've been hurt in my life, so I just, I'm empowering myself. When God says, no, let me show you what love is first, so you can understand it and know yeah, that you are yeah, loved, yeah. then you are able to spread that love. It just sounds like self-love is rooted in fear, because it says, therefore, is no fear in love, but perfect love casts out fear. So the fear of being hurt, the fear of being rejected, the fear. So I'm just going to love myself because nobody else loves me. I'm going to love myself. I'm going to choose to love myself. And so I'm going to do myself some good. Self, 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 self adds up in what? Self. So when, does, when do you love my neighbor? When do you love people? When do you begin to stretch out love? If you're loving self, you will always be searching for love. Even in self, let me find something else to love about myself. Let me find something else to care for about myself. Oh, I didn't know I was sick. I didn't know I was sick in the head. So let me find out how to get rid of that sickness and say, I love that. I just love me. So it's, 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 rooted, in, it's rooted in so many different things, I say. But because it said perfect love casts out fear because fear has torment. He that fear is not made perfect in love. So it's like. How do I get to this point where I'm perfect in love? Because it's like I always say, it's eight million, eight billion people in the world. And why did God put us all here to say self-love? I love myself. It's got to be some place in time where you say, okay, I love my brother. I love my neighbor. I love my friends. I love people. Regardless of, you got to know that we're imperfect. And so a lot of things take explanation when people are, 
and disagreements. It takes explanation and not pride. A lot of times pride comes. That's why I don't want to tell you why I'm disagreeing with you. And so something else come up. I disagree with you. And now it's compounded like the initial hurt almost. And so I deal with you out of the compounds, not uh, not when I should have deal with you before and told you the truth. It, it's crazy. Yeah. And we 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 have to be just aware that we have one who's perfect in us and loving people and the God kind of love that agape love. That's the kind of love that he wants us to give. But we have to get to know him first. We have to get to know what that perfect love is. And it's Jesus. And that's why we say on this podcast that we're revealing Jesus in everyday life, revealing his love. Because in my own self, in my heart that, that says that it's, it's a wicked heart, I'm very limited. But man, I know that I have received Christ. So I have the love of God in me. And that love can love anybody. It puts aside all my issues to love my brother and sister. It puts aside all my hurt to love my brothers and sisters. So it's, it's, I don't walk in that hurt anymore. I acknowledge that I am loved. So it's easy for me to give love. And freely I give it because freely I got it. Amen. That's awesome. That's awesome to know because when, when you love, it's like freeing you. It's like giving you the freedom to just say, you know, I'm good. Because then when you love, you can then say, I'm good. Because, I mean, if I'm not loving anybody, I'm always going to be at, at a fault with something. I'm always have an issue with myself. I'm going to have an issue with people. I'm going to have an issue with different things. Because why? Because there's no love in me. Because there's fear. It's fear wrapped around everything. And what fear does, fear, fear will have you shy away. Fear will have you say, if I step out, what is going to happen to me? It's always going to be a worry when there's fear. It's always, and that's the torment part. Oh, if I step out, I'll get rejected. If I say this, this will happen to me. If No, God, if God told you to step out, that means he already knows the outcome that's going to happen. He already knows, and that's love. That's love. If he's giving you that much love and that much favor to know that when you step out, you're going to be good, why not? Why not? And when you're loved, it's so easy to obey because you trust that you are loved. So we pray that you know that you're loved out there, that God loves you. I love John 3.16. It's so simple, but it says, For God so loved the world, and the world includes Steve, myself, you out there listening. He loved you so much that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believes in him will not perish but have everlasting life. I pray that you believe unto what Jesus did for you. I pray that you accept him as, as, as Lord and Savior in your life and that your heart is so full knowing that he is perfect so you don't have to be perfect. You just come in him. You become perfect because he's perfect. Allow him to rule all things in your life. Trust him in all your ways and lean not to your own understanding. He loves you. He knows that initial hurt. Give him that hurt. Ask him to help you to dig into that initial hurt, to get rid of the compound hurt, to heal you fully from all of those things so that your heart could be a heart of flesh and you can live out the life that God promised and breathe inside of you. We just thank you, Lord, for everyone listening today, that, Father, they will search their heart through the Holy Spirit 
and find out what is it that is inside there, Father, that is causing their hearts to be calloused and hard, that those things be removed so that this growing relationship could be all that you called and purposed it to be. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. We love you guys and hope to hear from you next time. This has been the G220 Effect, and this is LifeCast.